This is Healthcare Strategies. Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. I am Kelsey Waddell, Senior Editor of Healthpayer Intelligence and Multimedia Manager at Extelligent Healthcare Media. The trend of providers sponsoring their own health plans has continued to gain traction over the years. According to a Deloitte report from 2015, at the time there were more than 220 provider-sponsored health plans in the U.S. We have been curious about how this model operates in different lines of business and how the model can impact outcomes. With us today to discuss this issue is Dr. Robert Gluckman, Chief Medical Officer of Providence Health Assurance Health Plans. He is here today to discuss how Providence has leveraged its provider-sponsored model to achieve the highest star rating in the Medicare Advantage space. Dr. Gluckman, thank you so much for coming on to Healthcare Strategies today. Uh, Thanks very much for having me. I look forward to our dialogue. Great, same here. So just to start out, to give a little bit of context for our listeners, can you tell us about Providence Health Assurance? Sure. Providence Health Assurance is part of a very large health system, Providence Health System, which is based on the West Coast. So we have, I think, the third largest integrated delivery system in the country with uh, over 50 hospitals in seven states, well over 100,000 caregivers, many thousands of employed physicians, but we also work with physicians that are not employed by our health system. The Providence Health Assurance is the arm that administers Medicare and Medicaid plans, but Providence Health Plans also administers commercial health plans. We've been in existence for about 35 years and uh, uh, have a long record of being very successful in caring for our community, people from all walks of life, Medicare, Medicaid, and commercially insured individuals, primarily in Oregon and Southwest Washington is where we sell insurance, but we do take care of people from all over the country through our commercial contracts. As far as our membership in Our Medicare line of business, we have about 62,000 members. And in our Medicaid line of business, we have about 55,000 members. Those Medicaid lives are in the Portland metro area. Our Medicare lives are really in Portland and down what we call the I-5 corridor. So other major communities, Salem, Eugene, and then also Central Oregon, and then a little bit east of Portland as well. Great. Thank you. And, you know, this term has already come up a little bit, the term integrated health system. And I know that Providence Health Assurance identifies as a provider-sponsored health plan. So I was just wondering before we get into this, I know that terms can get a little bit fuzzy sometimes. Could you break down for us what the difference is between integrated health delivery system and provider-sponsored health plan? Sure. So a substantial amount of the work we do is within our own employed medical For our Medicare line of business, about 45% of our members have a Providence Medical Group primary care physician. And that model is really consistent with whatever you would hear about from an integrated delivery system perspective. We are a little bit broader, so I say we're an integrated model with a distributive network because we also care for people in other communities where Providence doesn't have a hospital and where Providence doesn't have a medical group. But many of the same principles that we're able to apply to when the doctors are employed by our parent company are the same principles that we can apply in engaging physicians in other communities. So in addition to in the Portland market, probably two-thirds of our members are taken care of by our Providence Medical Group. But when I think about statewide, it's more like 45%. And we interact with physicians and specialists, whether they're employed by us or not. And as a provider-sponsored plan, I think one of the key differentiators 
is that we are able to have a perspective that is aligned with the physicians who actually care for people on the front lines. So it's just part of our DNA and how we think about how we care for people and how we think about how we partner with, with providers, because that's a good chunk of who we are. I'd love to dig into that in a second about how you engage providers in a unique way due to that structure. Before we get there, I just want to talk a little bit more about the fact that this is a Medicare Advantage plan that you have relying on this sort of model. So sometimes these provider-sponsored or integrated systems will take off a lot in the commercial space, but as a Medicare Advantage plan that is primarily serving seniors, you know, seniors are an expensive population to take on full risk for. And so I'm curious what made you interested in using that particular kind of model for the Medicare Advantage population? Yeah, so as I said, we've been doing this work for well over 30 years. But when you think about some of the principles around managed care and value-based care, it really does you know, focus on what are the services that people who have chronic illness or have high needs require in order to better take care of them. Those principles can be applied more broadly. They aren't necessarily limited to the Medicare population. You know, some of those principles apply to Medicaid and some of those principles apply to the commercial and individual markets. But when you're thinking about Medicare, the needs of older patients are going to be unique. They are going to be different than those same needs in a Medicaid population or in a commercial population. But the principles are not different. It's how do we ensure that people have access to care? How do we ensure that the care is well coordinated? that when people need extra social support and other systems of care to get them what they need, how do we work with them to do that? So as an example, I would say, you know, we have a very robust care management program. Many of our providers now have embedded care managers, so we work and coordinate with them. And with those provider groups, especially with our integrated model, some of that work may be done more locally and better in the clinics, whereas in the private practice community, they may have less resources that's changing a little bit with the advent of the medical home and care management fees and things that we do, but we are able to apply a more robust care management model. The needs that older people have are going to be different because they may have more uh, challenges around maintaining activities of daily living, or they may be burdened by a different number of disease states, cognitive decline, greater incidence of, of other chronic illnesses like cardiovascular disease or diabetes, cancers, and the like. And then the importance of how to integrate a compassionate approach to end-of-life care, respecting the dignity that everybody deserves and, and thinking about where their wishes and how do we honor those wishes as they are approaching the end of their life. So I think that those things are really areas that Providence has focused on for years. They're unique to the Medicare population, although they also apply to other populations. Now, as far as you mentioned an expensive population, the way to create value is a couple of different things. So first of all, you always got to focus back on what is it that's going to best serve that person. So we can design benefits that maybe are a little bit more flexible for people. An example I might give in the traditional Medicare program, patients need to be in a hospital for some days before they can go to a skilled nursing facility. We're able to transfer patients earlier based on their medical need and have a benefit such that it reduces their cost share when they need that type of care. We're able to provide care in the home more quickly when that serves the patient. So I, I use that as an example of one way that you're able to create value by providing benefits, by providing services that are not part of the traditional Medicare program 
And then if we're taking better care of people in less expensive settings, you can create value in lower costs without sacrificing quality. And in fact, I think the evidence shows overall that quality in the Medicare Advantage space is a little higher than in the fee-for-service space. And this may get to some of your later questions, but it has a lot to do with how you can analyze and share data. And that is something that Medicare Advantage plans can do that doesn't really exist as well in the fee-for-service world. Yeah, I'm sure that part of the helpful side of having such a model would be the data sharing side of it and the ease with which that occurs. I was curious if you could go into a little bit more depth about how you leverage data and share data with your providers in order to help them to stay more informed as managed care often depends on fast and accessible and insightful data. What have you found to be some of the most important sort of strategies around making sure that your providers have that? readily accessible. Yeah. So over the years, we have developed pretty robust reporting. It's refreshed every month, but it's pretty prompt. And they're able to look at these profiles and analyze how they're performing based on a particular disease state, a particular measure within that disease state, but also drill it down to the patients who maybe have the most gaps between ideal care and and what's been received. So they're able to look at from a patient perspective and sort and filter who has the most gaps and then really focus their outreach and prioritize based on the disease level, at the metric level, and at the patient level. We share that data. We have teams that go out and speak with physicians, your physician groups, and and work with them on that gap closure. We also have relationships with IPAs, independent physician associations, where they have staff that also work with the providers, with the physicians, and there's practitioners and PAs to close those gaps as much as possible. We also share information around uh, predictive risk modeling and risk scores so that they can see which of their patients are at greatest risk. We also share information about patients who go to the emergency room more frequently. So they're able to filter that and say who's getting care in a more emergent way, that if we tighten our relationship with that patient, we would be able to avoid some of that. And, And in our Medicare Advantage plan, all of our patients do have an assigned primary care physician. That's the model. And that's the difference between an HMO model and a PPO model. But we think that healthcare is a relationship-oriented business. It's not just a task-oriented business. And and it's especially important for older people. So if they can have a a relationship with a provider that they trust, that can help them navigate what is really a very complex system for people to navigate. So the data sharing is key. The relationships are key. And that's one of the differences, I think, in our provider-sponsored plan also. We do have very tight relationships with our with our providers meet with our, uh, our own medical group. We have a number of you know, sitting committees you know, where we work together and participate together on programs to improve quality and improve patient experience. And then we have relationships with individual practices where we are in regular dialogue. I mentioned at the beginning that Providence Health Assurance had achieved the highest rating on the Medicare Advantage star. So congratulations on achieving that star rating. And I just was wondering, what would you recommend to other providers out there who are seeking to improve their own value-based care approach? Sure. Thank you. There are three major buckets, I'd say, of metrics that CMS uses to um, award the star ratings. One is around clinical quality. So when it comes to optimizing clinical quality, it's some of the things that we've already talked about. One is having good, robust data sharing so you can see which patients have not received the care that that, uh, would be considered optimal. There's a need to reach out to those patients, not only from the practices, but from the plan, 
to help inform them about gaps that they have. So we do direct member outreach as a plan in addition to what practices do. I mentioned with some of our larger IPAs, we have financial incentives for them to optimize the care for those metrics. And there are things that are not controversial. You know, I think every doctor would like to control someone's blood pressure and make sure their diabetes is reasonably controlled to make sure that after somebody has a cardiovascular event that their cholesterol is lowered, uh, that after someone's had a fracture that their osteoporosis is treated, that they've had their blue shot. And then there are some more global measures that are, that are very important about, you know, does the patient think that their health is improving, ensuring that we're doing the adequate screening for things that they're at risk for, like falls, and making sure that we're actually building into our systems and helping primary care doctors have the systems in place to screen for those things to optimize care. Then a second big bucket and one that's in, of increasing importance is what's the, the member experience, the patient experience with their plan? And do they feel their communication with their doctor is what it needs to be? Are they getting the care as quickly as they need to be? So in other words, I think we have to be focused as plans. How are we ensuring that we don't have barriers for people getting the care they need? And how quickly can we make some of those decisions so that we can optimize appropriate utilization, but do this in a way that minimizes the burden on both patients and providers? You know, people feeling like their health plan maybe is actually on their side instead of being a barrier. And I think that that's, that's something that plans have to take very seriously. We want to optimize utilization because that's how we can provide the best benefits at the lowest cost to people. But if we can do this in a way where the communication is such that they're trusting, understand that we're trying to actually act in their best interests, that builds a stronger relationship and tie. And part of that is also making sure that we design benefits that meet patients' needs. And then the third bucket is just the administrative efficiency of what we do. Are we accurate in the information that we give to patients? Do our call centers operate efficiently? Do they operate in a way that, that also uh, caters to people who have either disabilities or speak foreign languages? Because we have to serve all people. I think one of the cornerstones, and it's part of our mission in Providence, is to serve all people in our community with a special focus on serving the poor and vulnerable. And that's really core to how we were formed. And I think we try to apply that every day. When it comes down to it, if a plan is thinking about how they can optimize their star rating, the true north is always saying, how do I best serve the people that I'm caring for? If we focus on that and say, we want to ensure that patients get the quality of the care that they need, we want to give them the best possible experience while recognizing that we also have a financial responsibility so that we can optimize their benefits at the lowest possible premium. If we can work closely with our providers so that we really try to operate in an efficient way, and then making sure that we are having special programs and procedures in place to help people that are most vulnerable and treating everybody with compassion and focusing on how we can best serve their needs for what they want from their healthcare and helping support their families. If we do those things, we will get to the right place. I spent a good chunk of my career in primary care and then a bigger chunk in medical education, been at the health plan for 11 years. And what drives me every day was the ability to serve a broader population and really try to um, optimize the care they received at a population level. And that's what plans can do. We, 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 we don't only, we have, we have the responsibility of caring and helping the patient that we're interacting with at the moment, 
but we also have the mindset of ensuring that we care for our community and population that's broader. We do those things, we're gonna improve people's health. We're gonna be able to do things in a way that's the most affordable possible for them and that they'll feel like we're their advocate and people need an advocate because they're vulnerable when they're sick. And if we focus on those things, we're gonna serve people well. So that's, I think, what we try to emulate every day and the work that we do. And that's true for all of our caregivers who, you know, fortunately really feel connected to the mission that Providence has. Excellent. Well, Dr. Gluckman, thank you so much for sharing that with us and for going through your all's approach at Providence Health Assurance. Well, thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed chatting with you and appreciate the opportunity. Listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Feel free to reach out to me at kwadil at extelligentmedia.com. That's K-W-A-D-D-I-L-L at extelligentmedia.com to share your thoughts. You can also use that email to let us know if there are any health industry related questions or stories you would like us to consider covering. And if you liked this episode and it sparked some thoughts for you, please head over to Apple and give us a few stars and a positive review. Thank you for listening. This has been an Extelligent Healthcare Media production.